Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, we do want to remind you that we have social medias. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. We have a Patreon if you want to support us. And don't forget, we have our hotline. Usually we tell you a story. We want you to tell us a story. So text us or call us on that and enjoy this week's episode. See you guys. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the Ask Cat Spirit Hour. I'm the Colonel. This is my son Caleb. Hope you're well, as always, Caleb. How was your week? Talk to us about the Ghost Report. Ghost Report of the week. Um, the Lady Ghost has been super fucking active this week. I saw her multiple times. Like for new listeners, at the beginning of every uh, episode, we do a little update. I own a very haunted bar that Caleb works at, so we do a little ghost report every week. Yeah, uh, there's two ghosts. There's a lady ghost that lives in the back or dies in the back. I guess I don't yeah. know how you talk about ghosts. Uh, and then a bald guy that's in the front of the bar. Yeah, lady. Haven't seen the bald guy in a while, but the lady ghost has been super active, and we have a running theory that. She just really likes it when I get to work because one of the the opener bartenders is like, yeah, everything will be fine. And the moment you park your car and get out, like the lights will change and like things will like click and clatter. And she's like, I think the lady ghost is just kind of fucking stoked that you're here. <laughs> I was like, eh, it, 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 she's not malicious. And so if she's stoked that I'm there, I'm stoked that she's there. She just likes your haircut. <laughs> yeah. I was watching a ghost hunting video the other night and uh, they were the ghosts were requesting someone to cook food because they like the way that it smelled. Oh, nice. So maybe she just really likes fried chicken. And she's like, you make the best fried chicken. <laughs> uh, well, uh, any other hauntings this week? Anything sp- specific to stick out other than just a lot of normal um, activity? I, I saw her quite a bit, like, out of my peripherals. Um, I She's very active walking past the bathrooms. And then the other night we were um, leaving, uh, me and one of the other bartenders, and... We forgot the overhead light, uh, turning it off. So we're like, oh, we have to go back in to turn that light back off. And the other bartender is like, "Uh, can we wait a second to go back in? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why? What's up? She goes, I definitely just saw someone pop up from behind your kitchen. She's like, I don't want to walk in there right now. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. We can wait out here for a minute. (laughs) So other than that, just... Uh, Very think, visible. She just likes your food, man. She's just really into your food. She thinks you're a good cook because what it is. <laughs> yeah, I love that. All right. Well, in headlines this week, my first story, I want to talk, you know, everybody's posting their Spotify wrapped and listen to your music. Just know that Spotify does not support musicians. That's a pretty well-known thing. The Spotify and services like it have definitely kind of eliminated the blue collar musician. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people are musicians for a portion of their life. They get to do it as a fun job. They don't necessarily become huge sign stars and nowadays those don't really exist outside of you know like bts and stuff anyway so spotify is in hot water in general for being kind of a crappy company but on top of that the ceo daniel Eck, is in extra hot water as it's been revealed that he made a 113 million dollar investment yep into helsing which is an ai that is designed for battlefield management which yeah i know that makes my balls hurt just to say to battlefield management geez so Basically, the way that it works is it uses radio waves, sensors, and lots of other very, very problematic uh, pieces of technology for people like us and those that listen to our show to surveil an entire uh, battlefield to try to give them a real-time estimate. And there's two things about this that are ugly as shit. One, it's a company that has no value for the humans on which it makes money putting money into the only activity that dehumanizes people at the most base level. Plus... The CEO, Eck, he's bald and he wears aviators and stuff. You know, he kind of looks like a supervillain. Yeah. It's ugly shit. So if you didn't like Spotify before, you've got a whole new reason not to like him. It's the it's the Lucius Fox Echo technology. Absolutely. At the end of Dark Knight where he's yeah. like, you want to watch the city? Here you go. Exactly. Here's everyone's cell phone pinging at all times. Exactly, which is just terrifying. And, you know, like people forget. It's easy to be like, well, it's a war zone. It's necessary. The majority of war zones... 
if you're an American, you've probably never felt this, but war zones happen in people's homes. They happen on their streets. They happen in their towns. And if you live in the country that we live in, if you live in the U.S., you've been fortunate enough that you probably haven't had to deal with that outside of, you know, the occupations we saw last year and things mm -hmm. like that. We haven't had a war fought on domestic ground in a very long time. So I think it's very hard to wrap your brain around this idea, but you're basically saying we're going to create an omniscient, AI to watch over all the people we're invading. Yeah. That's a terrible thing to put money into. That just makes me think of the, I forget, always forget what movie it is, but uh, it's to um, German soldiers in the 40s. Can't say that word. Uh, YouTube will take us down. But one of them turns to the other and he goes, wait, are we the bad guys? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's whenever we see tech like this, that's all I think of. Yeah, it's because they are. They are the bad guys in this situation. Well, that's my first story. Fuck Spotify. They suck in a multitude of reasons. Who would you like <laughs> us to hate, Caleb? Uh, well, speaking of tech and also uh, the word that I can't say, uh, Twitter suspended a bunch of anti-extremist accounts on accident this past week because um, Friday they initiated this new protocol that was supposed to give people a little bit more privacy and you can report accounts that have photos or videos of you that were posted without your permission. So it was kind of a good thing that they were doing, except it immediately turned malicious when a, uh, well, it's going to. quote, coordinated and malicious attack by white supremacists um, decided to go against every person that had the Ukrainian Christmas pictures and videos uh, any Proud Boy rally, any sort of Trump rally, anything like that, uh, they accidentally suspended thousands of accounts by using this new protocol because they're like, yep, uh, not didn't have my permission, didn't have my permission, didn't have my permission, and it wiped down thousands of accounts. That's fascinating. That, I mean, that announcement the other day is an interesting one because telling somebody that you can take down a picture if it has your likeness uh, one of the issues that that brings up is it makes me think of NFTs. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's developed to help reinforce some of those really stupid laws. Yeah. Yeah. Or rather give them laws to reinforce their stupid ideas. So uh, a really fun, well, not fun quote from this article is, uh, extremist groups urged members to take advantage of the rules and report accounts that used to identify and track neo-Nazis, other extremists, and hate rallies. Um, quote, Things are now unexpectedly work more in our favor, crowded one Nazi sympathizer in a tweet. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Twitter was like, hey, uh, we're going to do a good thing that will probably help your anonymity. And fucking white supremacists were like, sick, this is going to help us out, thanks. And Twitter's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to help maintain people's anonymity and keep them safe. Well, you know, that's sort of the double-edged sword, ultimately, of the Internet. Is like, as much as we might want to try to make it as anonymous as possible, it's going to get a lot more difficult. Um, we'll talk about it. We actually probably do a podcast about this. But there's currently, it's been discovered that since 2017, there have been thousands of malicious interactions on both the beginning, middle, and end portions of server delivery on the Tor network. And nobody's exactly sure where it's coming from. And that effort seems to be to try to de-anonymize the Tor network, which is, you know, the whole nature yeah. of it. The Onion is supposed to be anonymous. But we'll talk about that at a different time, I think. That's a whole... Because that's a big egg to crack. You know, that that's is, not yeah. A, that's that's not a something headline. big going yeah, on. Yeah, that's a whole ass story because there is definitely something going on there. It's just, again, because of the anonymity, it's really hard to tell. Well, in other uh, computer irresponsibility news, uh, but this one's a little bit more positive, hackers have been spamming the receipt printers, and this hits especially close to Caleb and I because we have been in the bar and uh, restaurant industry our entire lives, and somebody has been printing, we call them chit sheets, on the little chit receipts, basically when you put in an order at a restaurant or maybe sometimes on your actual receipt itself, but if you put in an order, it gets sent to the kitchen on mm -hmm. a receipt, that receipt and also the receipts you're receiving have been getting hacked and they're adding different messages to them. So a lot of POSs like Clover and stuff like that, they all facilitate, I mean, even Aloha and some of the larger like full body package, I'm talking about the POS systems they have at restaurants and bars, you know, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. That's why I'm looking at the camera instead of you on this one. Cause you know exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. You have to fix these things all the time. So you can add anything you want to those. I remember very distinctly what this reminds me of is I used to work, with a guy who had opened a small, like, Cuban rum bar, and they had to fire one of the waiters because they had a PDR, a private dining room, and they had a private event. And over the course of service, one of the line cooks and the server were talking shit to each other in the chit notes, in the modification notes. So it'd be like, you know, fire fish tacos, you dumb piece of shit. 
that's a funny thing, but it was a private event. So they had to print out an itemized receipt. So every itemized, every item was like, you dumb piece of shit, shut up, you whatever. And then the person received it and was like, um, what the hell is this? And the manager was like, oh my God, that's easily one of the most egregious ways to fire somebody. Anyway, so hackers have been doing the exact same thing, except instead of arguing with line cooks, they're trying to liberate them. And they're asking if they've been underpaid or if they're being compensated fairly, if they have proper insurance. Uh, and as somebody who does pay fairly, I, I'm very pro this, but yeah. you, the first thing you said, I really appreciated, which is if this came through, you'd be pissed. Yeah, uh, if you ever worked at a restaurant as a line cook or um, like a barista or at a bar, you know that that ticket sound, the sound yep. of a ticket machine printing a ticket, haunts your nightmares. Yep, it's like the Apple alarm sound. Yeah. yeah. You want to so trigger people. If someone is sending a whole anti-work manifesto, imagine you just walked out of the walk-in. I want you to close your eyes and imagine, because I know if you've worked in any of these situations, you know that fucking sound. It'll, it'll help if you get a little stoned first. <laughs> Pretend you're at work. It's burrowed into your mind i can hear it all the time so uh, i can make it right now you you walk out of the walk-in and you just hear and you're like fuck and imagine it goes for 10 minutes yeah you're like oh frame of reference the only time that actually happens in a restaurant is when you're super in the weeds and a hundred orders just came in it's kind of the worst way to get news it's like oh hey sorry about this but you're about to be busy for the rest of the night i turn around and go back to the walk-in to cry some more <laughs> and all it says is doesn't your job suck and it's like yeah but you could have given me a trigger warning on that shit heads up on that next time buddy <laughs> yeah don't just throw that at me come on yeah i am and you knew that which is why this was very difficult for me to hear that being said, we support this movement. Also, if you own a bar or restaurant and you listen to this and you don't pay your employees $15 an hour at the very minimum, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You just are. Change the way you do things. People deserve more money. And I don't want to hear any bullshit about burger flippers or whatever. Kiss my ass. Everybody at least deserves $15 an hour. Yeah, I, I was just talking about this whole uh, idea of unskilled labor. All the people love to push that around and be like, oh, line cooks are unskilled labor. Dude, I want you to stand in one spot for 10 hours. Not even doing any of the other things. I always put it this way. We have a lot of people that come in that are like, oh, I work at an office job. I, I don't understand why people are asking for more money. And I put it this way. I say, imagine you have to stand in one spot for 10 hours. You can't go pee. If you go pee, you might get fired. You won't have a chance to eat anything. Or you might get behind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you won't get a chance to eat anything. You drink minimal water. I said, and at the end of that 10 hours, I handed you a $20 bill. How pissed would you be? And your job is to care for people as well. It's not mm -hmm. like you're standing at a doorway just watching something. Yeah. You're cooking. You're feeding people. And what's wild is people forget that food is a thing that we won't get too far. We, this won't be long, I promise. <laughs> this won't be a long tangent. But food is a thing that's supposed to be nourishing. And if you eat at a place like fucking Applebee's, you're not accomplishing what restaurants were made for, and you're also not accomplishing like eating properly because you're yeah. going to get unhealthy food from a person who's not going to get paid enough to make it well. And they cut all the corners to make it as cheap as possible that they buy the crappiest ingredients. Like there's an entire sector of restaurants that exist in the world that just shouldn't, there should be fine dining, nice restaurants. There should be like ethnic restaurants where you get to bring a portion of your homeland somewhere else mm -hmm. and kind of nothing else. You know, we need delis, we need things like that, but all these other little restaurants, especially the chain restaurants that just exist because they can afford to put them in a whatever parking lot walmart parking lot or whatever those are all garbage and they don't need to exist and the poor people who do that job want nothing more than good working conditions and they look at the possibility of never seeing that and they still go to work and they still feed your ass and people have the gall to be like no you should get eight dollars because that's uns what the fuck do you do that's so special yeah. you can't even feed yourself you're eating dinner at a fucking applebee's and you're gonna tell me i'm not worth money you can't even make mac and cheese you dipshit the food i'm making is made in a microwave you went to a place to sit down to have me serve you a fucking TV dinner and you're going to tell me my time's not worth it? Fuck you, you idiot. Go home and make your own food then. I, I think I've said it before. I don't actually know what an office job is. In my mind, it's you go in, you sit down, you make a cup of coffee, you spend the next eight hours just sending emails back and forth, and then you get up and leave. Dude, could you imagine <laughs> if you were doing that at work? If I came in and you're like, oh, I'm doing emails, I'd be like, you put that away and make sandwiches, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so my last headline for today... Before we get into the main story, is uh, a surgeon in Austria uh, was sued and is facing a fine because um, 
amputated the wrong leg. Ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh. That's an appropriate headline with today's main story. Uh, but yeah, man, the wrong leg. Yes, yeah, so uh, the wrong limb was marked for amputation, and they discovered it two days later doing a routine bandage change. Um, and they're like, hey, man, uh, we're going to have to amputate your other leg. Man. You know, the one we originally were supposed to amputate. Fuck me, man. That's so sad. Well, at least you probably got like a huge settlement, right? Uh, well, the fine was $3,000. Oh. So the doctor had to pay $3,000. Um, sadly, the patient did pass away. Oh, fuck, man. And uh, why, you, why are you telling the story? His widow did get a settlement from the hospital of... $5,000. Oh my god. So, oh my god. In case you're wondering you how much a leg an is worth. Artificial leg? If you're wondering how much your leg is worth, it seems to be about uh, $2,500. Jeez. But yeah. Man, when you So, I guess if something costs an arm and a leg, it's about 6 grand. Well, arms are probably a little honestly maybe more expensive. Why? They do more stuff. I feel like it's easier to exist without one. That's true. That's true. Leave your leave uh, your thoughts in the comments. Do you think how much do you think an arm and a leg is worth? <laughs> yeah, and and additionally, would you, which one would you rather lose? Yeah, if you had to pay for. It? Well, that really brings in the question: How much a left nut is worth? Then you know, because if a leg is like twenty five hundred dollars, a left nut's probably about thirty bucks. So when you're like, I'd give my left nut for that. It's like, well, I mean, shit. That's okay. Good for you. Are you going to the movies? <laughs> do you know what the the cheapest body part is? Cheapest body part is a deer testicle. Do you know why? <laughs> Because they're free if you're fast enough. Because it's always under a buck. Get the fuck out. <laughs> All right, roll credits. Let's talk about the main story now. God damn. Okay, so in today's main story, that was a good joke. Thank you. Uh, I hate you for it. Today's main story is one uh, of a lot of... <sighs> We're talking about Morgans. I didn't even get a lot of what, right? Well, there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of talk around it. And I want to I wanna make sure that we enter into this respectfully. But also, there's... This might be the most 50-50 split on if a thing is real yeah. that we've had since, like, Barry Seal being on the grassy knoll. You know what I mean? Like, there is just as compelling of evidence that it's fake, and there's just as compelling evidence that it's not fake, and I guess there's a lot that it's somewhere in between, which yeah. is what we're going to discuss today. But why don't you tell them what Morgellons is? So, Morgellons disease is an uncommon, poorly understood condition uh, that has a bunch of different signs and symptoms that can vary from skin rashes all over your body, feeling like you have this crawling sensation on or underneath your skin, kind of like uh, insects moving, stinging, and biting you. Uh, these weird fibers that are like either white, black, red, green, or blue uh, showing up either under your skin or coming out of your skin. People have fatigue, joint pain, uh, cardiac complications. Brain fog, I feel like, is one of mm -hmm. them. Difficulty concentrating, short-term memory loss, and, uh, of course, a depressed mood. But I think that's just, if you had to deal with every other thing, how are you not going to be depressed? Yeah, man, with, even without that being, like, an actual symptom. Like, yeah, yeah. Shit, that bums you out. Yes, correct. That's like uh, when, like, antidepressant commercials come on the screen. It's like, a side effect might be depression. And it's like, why? That's why I'm <laughs> taking this shit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm pissed off that I'm having to take this medicine, and apparently it's not working. Yeah, and uh, they wanted to let me know that from the jump. But yeah, so you get these intense itching and open sores as well. Okay. And it is a big topic of controversy, like you said, because you have half doctors that are like, it's a thing that we need to research. And you have another half of doctors that are like, it's not a thing. Uh, no, we don't. Well, who was the first doctor to decide on that? So the history of Morgellons actually comes from a letter that was written uh, in France in 1674 by Sir Thomas Brown. Um, he was an English physician, but he was in France, and he noticed these groups of children that were part of this family. And this is actually from the letter. He said, Hairs which have most amused me have not been in the face or head, but on the back, and not in men, but children, as I long ago observed in the uh, endemial distemper of little children in Langdoc. Uh, called the Morgellons. So that's why it's Morgellons disease. Okay. Uh, it's the name of this family that he was uh, witnessing. He says, wherein they critically break out in harsh hairs on their backs, which take off the unique symptoms of a disease and delivers them from coughs and convulsions. So he was... They're aware people. Those, yeah. Those are aware people. 
He's like, it's strange, man. They go into this room. I hear him coughing and convulsing and hairs come out of their back. And then I go into the room and they're gone, but there's a dog there. <laughs> Covered in torn clothes. Is it weird? Are you getting a fight with this dog and put your clothes on it? What's going on? These Morgellons are weird. Uh, so he, uh, his description of the Morgellons and other historical accounts of similar um, maladies date early as 1544 all the way to 1884. Okay. So you have this huge section, um, but a lot of people believe that whatever was happening back then probably wasn't the Morgellons disease that we see today. Okay. It was probably uh, some other... Not quite understood thing yet. The one uh, with Brown's description, they we're believe... we're going back to the 1500s. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking, that's pre-leeches, you know? Yeah. We're getting really far he, back. He said, there's a lot of hair on these children's backs. They might be possessed. Yeah, and somebody <laughs> was like, no, they're 16. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people are like, uh, it's probably not a disease, it's probably a genetics thing. Okay. Because it was the children of one family. He was stuck in this one family. Yeah, and he's like... It's weird. They got hair growing out of their back, and they're convulsing and coughing. And it's like, yeah, they're uh, poor French children in the 1500s. They probably have a skin condition and also are dying because they haven't eaten anything but bread for their entire lives. And in, like, what, 200 years, two brothers are going to breed this dog that's just going to tear ass. Tear ass. It's going to fart all over Javanon. Um So as time went on, uh, more accounts popped up that – were these weird early accounts of just childhood illnesses. Sure. Um, and people kept attributing it to Morgellons because of this uh, article, and they would mention hairs protruding from the skin, worms protruding from the skin, and other things that would pr- just weirdly protrude from the skin. Yeah, because the fibers, you know, I'll have, I'll edit in photos of them here, but the fibers do look very much like a, um, like a tapeworm does. You yeah. Know, they've got like that same sort of looks, it sort of looks like a piece of thread going through your subdermal layer. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. And then when it comes out, like it'll stick straight up too. It's the weirdest thing. Sometimes it'll look all frayed. Okay. Um, and it's, it's just afraid. <laughs> afraid not. You're right. Um, <laughs> piece of rope walks I want into a, a bar. Wa- I need a slide whistle sound effect. Piece right of rope here. walks into a bar. Bartender kicks him out. He goes outside, messes up his hair, walks back in. He said, "Aren't you the rope that I just kicked out?" And he said, "No, I'm afraid not." Um, so other things that they were looking at were like it was on the arms, legs, and back mainly. As time went on, they focused more on the hands. Okay. They realized a lot of these threads were coming out of the hands, and they couldn't decide if these threads were uh, living or inanimate. And so a lot of people, which I'll talk a little bit later, you can find things called the red wine test. Yeah. And there, within Morgellons disease currently is also a split between is it a living being inside of you or is it like these inanimate fibers that your body's producing? But like I said, I'll talk about that here in a little bit. So people start looking more and more into this, and you have people, as technology is getting more and more advanced, you have people with the discovery and the creation of a microscope. Yeah, They're saying, well, let's look at them. So one microscopist said, these are inanimate. I, I pulled some out of a person. I put them under the microscope, and they are not moving. And he made that discovery in 1894. Okay. So he's looking and he's like, no, they're, they're not living. And then another uh, scientist was like, no, man, I'm pretty sure they're living. He's like, why else would these patients be talking about them crawling underneath their skin? He's like, I have plenty of patients that come in that have erroneous and unshakable beliefs that their skin is crawling and these things are crawling out of their skin. He's like, they're living. He's like, no, man, I looked at them under the big eye thing. They're not living. And so that also caused this big rift in the science community. Well, and some physicians believe that there's sort of like a chicken and egg situation with the sores. Yeah. That some people, that the sores have a tendency to be worse than people who are um, maybe more fervent believers. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the other side of that is that you're a more fervent believer because you have it worse than other people. I want to make it abundantly clear. We are not taking a stance on either side here. Yeah. We are agnostic, scientific-minded people. We're open to seeing what happens, but we're also open to it being something that we don't understand yet. There's a lot of, you know, as medical science pioneers on, I don't think, you know, we would have saw the RNA 
based vaccines that we're using now that was never seen as something that was possible you know and now that opens up a huge door to fixing hiv fixing a lot of things that before we couldn't yeah there are medical things for all we know this could very well be something we just don't understand yet yeah uh so like i said it went into this big debate and it kept going on to debate until like the 1940s when wilson and miller uh these big scientists big that, scientists that were big science boys they were like well one person earlier said it's uh, a caraphobia which is the fear that something is underneath your skin or crawling around in your skin and he's like it's not actually a condition these skin lesions are caused by people thinking they have stuff under their skin they're tearing open their own skin to try to find them and that's what's going on and like i said it causes this riff and like you said it's this weird cyclical thing. Are they getting the lesions because they think things are under their skin, or are the things are the lesions causing these things under their skin? Yeah, and there's it, we didn't include it when we were talking about the symptoms, but the CDC, which we'll get into the CDC's definition of this. We talked about the CDC when we talked about Havana syndrome and a few other things. Obviously, some uh, when we talked about um, Suns, the thing that inspired the West Craven, the West Craven, to write Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, the CDC studies things, but they don't always get everything exactly right. And <clears throat> I'm going to take a very brief moment to point out that we are not talking about COVID when we say that. However, who knows, right? Yeah. We're learning all kinds of new stuff every day. Now, th that should give you an idea that the CDC does their best sometimes, but when it came to Morgellons, they really didn't. And uh, we'll get into how they dropped the ball, but one of the things that they include in the definition is you basically have to have some sort of paranoid delusion or similar mental illness for him to even consider it more gallons. They yeah. basically consider the mental illness portion to be part of it. I think that's a little unfair, and we'll get into why it's unfair and why their conclusion to that was quite leading. But that is a part of it. So this idea that there are things growing under your skin. I mean, when somebody, if I came up to you and said that to you, if anybody, a stranger came up to you and said that to you, your immediate observation was going to be, no, there aren't. That's yeah. physically impossible. How could there be things under your skin? And then from there, you're basically a flawed narrator. So every other symptom you might have goes out the door. I want to make it clear that with Morgellons, part of this conversation is about bedside manner. It's about how patients are treated by doctors because there are a lot of issues there, yeah. whether they're gender-based, race-based, or just in general, lots of people who have a condition that maybe isn't taken seriously. MS, when MS first started showing up and was being investigated, MS was considered to be a mental illness. Mm -hmm. Those people had a psychotic, uh, they weren't called seizures or convulsions. I can't remember exactly what it was Tremors? called. Yeah, but it was a psychosis. The yeah. idea was that you were tricking your body into doing that. Obviously, we now know that's not the case. And it's also like... Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> and now that we know that that's not really the case, we have to be able to treat other medical uh, conditions with a similar understanding and empathy. Mm-hmm. Again, we might not totally know what's going on here. And to have somebody that comes in and goes, ah, oh, man, there's something crawling under my skin, your immediate response, unless it's, rest in peace, Chester Pennington, is going to be, well, no, you're full of shit. That's impossible. Yeah. Which then means, even if you have something very real, and the best way you could describe it is it feels like something's crawling under my skin, and they go, well, no, nothing's crawling under your skin. You're crazy. No, I'm just trying to tell you how I feel, and there might be something wrong with me, and we just don't describe it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Wilson and Miller changed it, uh, and they're like, it should be delusions of parasitosis, which parasitosis is the belief of bugs living inside of you. Yeah. So you're believing these things, and that's what's manifesting these sores. Like, it's your thoughts that there's something inside of you causes the symptoms that there's something inside of you. Yeah. So as time goes on, from 1902 to 1938, uh, they start bringing up case studies to describe this uh, parasitophobias and the fear that there's stuff living inside of you as uh, dermatological hypochondriasis. Okay. Um, so being a hypochondriac about your skin. with your skin. With that, they just wrote everything off as delusional interpretation of skin sensations. Okay. They're like, your lesions, are you being stressed out? They're essentially stress hives. And then you start looking at them and picking at them, and that's what causes everything else. You're being delusional about it. So a French physician uh, by the name of V started doing different studies and tests. And he found in this case study that a lot of uh, six out of the eight subjects that he looked at had syphilis. 
Okay. So then this we got this running uh, idea that it was syphilitic insanity and side effects of syphilis. They didn't actually have another ailment. It was just things to go along with their syphilis, which yeah, syphilis can cause uh, lesions. Mm-hmm. It can cause uh, skin irritation. It can cause stuff like that. It also causes psychosis because it infects the sinuses and then subsequently the brain. Um, that's what happened to Al Capone. Scarface yes. died of <laughs> undiagnosed uh, syphilis, and he had a syphilitic mind. And like late into his life, which we make it sound like he was an old man, he was like forty. You could find him fishing in his pool in Chicago because he had just his brain was just gone. It was mm-hmm. syphilis. So I could see that. I remember a real. I read this uh, paper years ago that was all about how uh, the likelihood that uh, the zombie infection would be rabies was about as likely as that it would be that because mm-hmm. I could see that they have then gone and looked over these case studies some more and they were looking at the evidence that patients brought in when it comes to these little animal uh, specimens that they were supposed to look at. Yeah. So sometimes they call this a matchbook set. That's yes. why the podcast episode is called this. So they would typically bring in in a mock in a matchbook, sorry, a matchbook set. That's what yeah. I mean. Uh, they would bring in skin flakes. They'd bring in the the fibers they had removed. Like any evidence they had, they very commonly would bring them in little matchbooks. It'd be like grains of sand. It'd be threads. It'd be hairs. It'd be f- flakes of skin. And so they're like, okay, well, these are just dermatological objects that you found and picked off and put in a matchbox. And these aren't in your skin. So they just wrote it off as, well, set, or six of these eight people have syphilis. It's syphilitic insanity, um, and the other ones are just, like, monkey see, monkey do, essentially. And speaking of poor research, let's talk about the CDC's research for a second. So when the CDC did their uh, research, their, uh, it was terrible. They, it was incredibly biased. So they initially set out to get 115 people to participate, but realistically, by the time they were finished, they had about 15 people who participated. Nice. And I've seen the questions on the questionnaire. They are extremely leading. They're things like, do you have a history? It's not, there are not questions about your skin. There's no questions about itching. It's questions like, do you think you're crazy? Do you have a history of mental illness? It's all very, very much being driven towards uh, being a delusional infestation because that's what they were uh, beset. They also, when they tested the fibers, they came to the conclusion that they were cotton fibers. So they were, the reason they were colorful is they might've been something from a towel t-shirt or whatever had gotten caught in these wounds because they were you know as you scratch the sore and you open it and then you put a, a towel on you know you take a shower and it opens back up and you dry off of the towel you get a fiber in there now the problem with that is those fibers have also been independently tested and mm-hmm. why don't you talk about that a little bit so that's a crazy thing we there's a documentary about Morgellons disease and they talk about it at the beginning that when they tested these fibers that people turned in yeah, some of them were cotton fibers, and those were the more brightly colored ones. But some of the other fibers, didn't their chemical makeup, their structure, did not match any known textiles. And they largely contain keratin, which is what's mm-hmm. in your fingernails and your hair. So they're structurally significantly more similar to hair. But when you, as you see them, you see that they don't really look like hair. You know, hair forms it, even in ingrown hair. Think about, you know, when you, maybe you especially the men of the group or the people with, I guess more accurately, I should say the people with facial hair mm-hmm. in the that might be listening or watching, you know what it's like. I have this big motorcycle scar on my chin, you know, my long smile. Mm-hmm. And I, because of that, my beard hairs will get ingrown in there sometimes. And you see how they ingrow, uh, grown through that, the extra scar tissue. And I, it doesn't look anything like this. These are no. so squiggly and they they're look like very tapeworms. wiry. Yeah. yeah. They don't look like hairs, but that's what they're, predominantly made of they are made out of keratin that's what's in these the thing that really freaked me out when they were talking about this is they're like it doesn't match any structure that we know and we put them under extreme temperatures and they did not degrade one bit yeah which is wild so the question is if those fibers are real where do they probably come from and i mean Obviously, we're going to have some paranormal explanations and some other things. My immediate thought is, uh, I don't know, space worms? What are those, space worms? Is that what we're dealing with here? Space worms in your body? When it comes to diagnosing Morgellons disease, it's a big contested debate. Yeah, well, a lot of – it it feels like there are practicing physicians and psychiatrists, and those two seem to butt heads a lot on this. Psychiatrists definitely think that it seems to be a mental issue, Yeah, and there are more practicing doctors who – can observe the symptoms that are like, well, I hear you, but like take this microscope. There's a term uh, 
sort of for, oh, what is the term for um, when two people believe something's fake? The French term for when Allah do, what is it? Oh, uh, when yeah, yeah, yeah. Fole Allah do. Yeah. When two people are convinced something has happened, it's sort of like mass hysteria, but on a smaller level. Well, there's a story, because that gets thrown around a lot in the medical diagnosis of this, that the only reason it ever gets diagnosed as something legitimate is because the person with it has convinced the person uh, that's doing the diagnosis, administering that diagnosis, that they're correct. Not that they are correct, but they've conned them into it. Mm -hmm. So, fale ala do. Now, there was an in there's an instance in that film, actually, where uh, ICU nurse talks about how you can take out a little microscope. And a lot of these people will do this at home because they can't, the doctors won't look at them at, at the doctor's office. They just kind of send them away, tell them that they're cuckoo or whatever. And, you know, underneath this microscope, you can see these fibers. You can see them in their, in their skin. And one famous story, she said that it was Fale a la ICU because every ICU nurse that was there could see these fibers in this person's body. And the doctors were like, nah, it's nothing. Get them out of here. Send them to the psych wing. You know, they, yeah. it's nothing. And it's, it's very, very difficult to say something's not real when there's hard evidence, right? Especially nowadays, you know, we live in this era of misinformation when stuff that doesn't exist gets so much credibility. Yeah. This is, there's a physical fiber in this person's body. There's something to this. Mm -hmm. What is it though? Uh, so I want to talk about the diagnosis and the self-diagnosis totally. with this. So like you said, there are the psychiatric side and the physician side and ends those sides. They're each split as well. You have some, uh, psychiatrists and stuff like that. that are like, no, this person is perfectly sound of mind. This is a real disorder. You have some, uh, physicians that are like, yeah, this is a real thing, but this is causing a big blockade in research. You can't research something if you have a large group of people that believe there's nothing to be researched. Well, it's what we're seeing with uh, research in psychedelics, uh, being able to help with depression and things like that. There's no precedent for these things. So yeah. people are like, well, let's legalize it to prove that it works. Well, we can't prove that it works just yet because it's never been legal for us to show you that it works. So now you're seeing these studies. So when people are like, oh, why did, why did they have to study the efficacy of a cannabis beforehand or whatever? Well, because they've got to be able to state a case. Yeah. And with something like Morgellons, if they can't take the time to study it, they're never going to get anywhere. As a matter of fact, the only person to ever take the time to study it, the only physician team to ever go, why don't we see if we can help it, has helped it. You want yeah. to talk about that? Yeah, so they did a bunch of different things. Uh, the red wine test is an at-home test uh, that I said I'd talk about. Oh, yeah. And that is to see if it is uh, a parasite or if it is one of these threads. What you do is you take the threads out and you put it in a white plate or a white bowl. You pour some red wine on it, and then you pour the red wine out. And it will dye these threads, or if they're if you have worms or anything like that, it'll dye them as well. It'll make it easy to see if they're moving. And if they're not moving, that's a lot of people like, oh well, I must have more gallons because it died and they're not moving. But I put this piece of raw beef on my tongue, and when the more gallon fiber came up, it was real long. I'm not so hungry anymore, but I got more gallons. Buddy, you had a tapeworm. <laughs> uh, there is. I will, if you are around my age and you remember this show, I talked to a lot of people. Mr. Meaty was a cartoon on, I believe, Nickelodeon. Was it Cartoon or, Network? It might have been Cartoon Network as well. It had puppets uh, that were very creepy, and there's a tapeworm episode yep. that I distinctly remember. <laughs> if you also remember it, please leave it. That shit haunts me to this yeah, day. I think it's Adult Swim. But I think it's a Cartoon Network show. Okay, okay. I think so. I think so. But I'm not sure. It could it could be Nickelodeon. It was still when Nickelodeon was weird. Yeah, I just remember the one shorter, like, rounder character has a tapeworm. And anytime he gets close to food, it comes out of his mouth and grabs it and goes back in. And I legit thought, A, that's how tapeworms worked. And B, it scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> it's like a, the queen alien. I also thought tapeworms were, like, a bigger issue. Like... <laughs> When you're a kid, there's things that you think are really going to pop up in adult life. And the two that always stick with me is like quicksand and tapeworms. <laughs> like I thought I would be dodging quicksand all the fucking time. Don't go see Dune. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this group, though, did realize that, yeah, we can use antibacterial or uh, antibiotics to actually help these symptoms. Yeah. And it's because it, they predominantly use prednisone, but there's like... There's a definitely a stigma with using long-term antibiotics. Most people's immediate armchair physician thought is, well, you're going to build up an immunity. Uh, kind of, except that it works a little differently than that in this case. Rather than 
basically it allows their skin to heal, right? So they sort of need a, a health potion at all times. They need 20 extra mana at yeah. all times. So if they're not getting that 20 extra mana, they're going to be hurting. We yeah. don't need that. The average person doesn't need that. So in that way, they're not building up an immunity in the same way, and it's much more useful to their body than it would be if you took something, you know, if you take an antibiotic for something that's not an infection for a virus or something, that's not going to help. Yeah. So that type of thing does build up a, a, a bad immunity. Long-term use in this case is much healthier. It's much safer. Uh, and it seems to really help a lot of people out. It really clears up a lot of their symptoms. And what's interesting is the placebo effect is profound. I mean, the placebo effect is so profound that it's been able to cure certain conditions on its own. Mm -hmm. People just believing that they were cured has actually led to helping them get better. Now, I'm not saying that you can will yourself better, but I do think there is something to no, that. No, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, you got to the placebo bootstrap effect. Uh, so I'm not surprised to hear that once these people have the confidence to, you know, if you're living with sores and pain and brain fog and all this shit every day, and then you start taking an antibiotic and it starts to help that stuff, you're going to probably start to drop any other weird feelings you might have. Because I, I would imagine that having something like this, like a contested diagnosis historically is very difficult to have mm -hmm. because you get told that you don't have anything wrong with you. Yeah. Now, if you do legitimately have something wrong with you, that's very, very dehumanizing, and it really fucks up your fabric of reality. Yeah. Because you're being told something that's very clear. You can see these fabrics in your hand. A lot of these people that care about looking into this, the people who have Morgellons or the people who love people who have Morgellons, look into this because they have this hard evidence, and they're being told that doesn't matter. That's not real. In that movie, there's an outspoken psychiatrist who believes that it's all entirely in people's heads. And he attends uh, Morgellons conference to talk about negative experiences with doctors. And he's like, hey, has anybody in here had a negative experience with doctors? And these are all these people with Morgellons. And they're like, yeah, we all have. And he's like, basically... <laughs> He's like, well, that was your fault. And it's like, well, yeah, that's why these people feel this way. Yeah. And having a contested diagnosis is really tough because there are so many things. I mean, look at look at how we treat mental health now. Look at mm -hmm. how we approach depression, anxiety. You know, like it's much more realistic and understandable to have medications for these things, to go to therapy. People have dropped this fake Clint Eastwood tough guy exterior shit a little bit or at least have done it over there. And it's much more acceptable for people especially in communities where it was never a thing outside of white communities, therapy, anxiety, ADHD, autism, all of these types of functional conditions yeah. do not exist. They just don't. Nobody around me when I was growing up was told they had autism. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have ADD and I didn't find out until I was 35. And that's because growing up, you were just a spaz. Yeah. You just weren't paying attention. That, that guy's weird. You basically have crazy, crazy. And then you have, Everybody else is normal. Get your shit together. Which the thing is, uh, both, well, two of my cousins, their brothers were both diagnosed ADHD very early on. And my thing with ADHD, diagnosing ADHD in children, especially when they're at school and they're restless and you're like ADHD, here's Adderall. Yeah. Cause it's not restlessness. It's, you know, it's different. It's brain fog. It's a, yeah, I have the opposite problem. You know that I can do everything 80%. And then at the end, I really kind of tail off. And it's because I lose my attention and I go to the next thing. But my thing is, a lot of kids get misdiagnosed with ADHD Absolutely. because they're like, oh, this child doesn't want to sit in one spot for eight hours. Yeah, no shit. They're a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Or they are, they're having a hard time focusing because we don't let them sleep enough. Like, yeah. A high schooler or a middle schooler should be getting 10 to 12 hours of sleep a night. Name one that does that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think... I think you're right. I think it's easy to misdiagnose these things. And I think that contested diagnosis can be really frustrating if you're in a situation where you're like, no, there is absolutely something wrong with me. You know, for a long time, we looked at it like, oh, there's if there's something wrong with you, you need medication. Or if there's something wrong with you, that's such a weird puritanical way to look at things. That's just so incorrect. And if you can improve your quality of life and the quality of life around those who support you and love you, do so. Why wouldn't you do that in a heartbeat? So these poor people are reaching out trying to do that, doing something that's already very difficult to do and like embarrassing to be like, I think something's wrong with me. And in a lot of cases, these are people that are culturally told you can't have anything wrong with you. And they're going, Hey doc, I think something's wrong with me. And the doctor's going, yeah, you're just dumb and crazy. Yeah. How demoralizing 
to say that there's a, like a paranoia that goes along with this condition, no shit. It could be 100% real. And the way that these people are treated, no wonder they're paranoid. You're being gaslit by the medical community. <laughs> yeah. And you're like bleeding and they're like, no, you're fine. You're just a little tired. Like, <laughs> I am dying. Like the thing, the analogy that I wanted to make is imagine you are actively on fire and you go to the hospital and you're like, hey guys, I'm on fire and my skin is burning. Like, it is melting, and they said, here's some burn cream. Yeah. Why wouldn't you put out the fucking fire? Yep, put out the fire. Don't treat the symptom, treat the condition. And as you were saying earlier in the episode, the misdiagnosis and the uh, contested diagnosis is so harmful and kills a lot of people every year. The amount of black women that go to hospitals and get told there's nothing wrong with them to then die days later yep. is astounding. Dude, Native women, women on the res all the time get told, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just whatever. Yeah. And you get sent, and there are very real problems. It's, we again, we talked about it when we talked about the Nightmare on Elm Stream uh, condition, but that is a condition where everybody was just kind of like, well, well, happens to Asian people. Like, yeah. Hey, fucking excuse me? Figure it out. Figure out what's going on. Figure out what's wrong. Yeah. And so... That brings us to theories of what causes Morgellons uh, disease or MD. And we have some that are, you know, (laughs) typical medical explanations. And then we have some that are kind of fucking out there. I mean, we didn't get into it and we won't because the podcast is about the disease and not the people uh, it it affects or the people affected by it. But yeah, there are some deep worms, you know, like it goes deep. Like some people are very firmly beset in like QAnon sort mm-hmm. of territory when it comes to this. And then some people are very far in the other side, which they have a bunch of very, very logical ways that it could exist. It's just, there's a, I think what it is is it's a lot of people who are desperate for answers who aren't being given answers. Yeah. Uh, won't get into it soup like too much, but while we were doing research, I, I sent you a picture because uh, not to name any names or anything like that, but a large, Website that's also a foundation to help people with this also has a whole section that is denying 9-11. Yep, which is just a really weird pair of things. And when that happens, yeah, no wonder. There are a number of examples, and obviously we're not going to do anything anecdotal because we're not speaking to anybody who has it today, and we're not going to show you footage of people who do. But, yeah, there are definitely people. You look this up. This is We're not the first people to talk about Morgellons. And some of the people that are talking about it, have some other very spicy opinions that make it very difficult to agree with the fact that something's wrong with them. Yeah, so with these theories, I have them kind of listed in order from uh, normal causes to out there causes. Yeah, most likely cause. Occam's, most likely to leave. <laughs> Occam's razor to, I don't know, whatever. what is the opposite of Occam's razor? Oh, I actually just learned this the other day. Did you really? Yeah, it's um, well, be useful if you knew it now. Occam's razor says the most likely uh, answer, is, answer the easiest. is the easiest. The opposite one is Murphy's Law. No, no it's. I'm just kidding. I know what that means. I It starts with an H, leave but it it's in the something comments, else guys. razor yeah. that says if the most common cause is stupidity. That's probably the cause. <laughs> it's, it's That's funny that that's the case because I'm always, and you've heard me say this so many times, but I'm always like, you either do shit on purpose or you do it because you're dumb as fuck. Yeah. There's only two ways you can do something. It, it's basically like, if you think an intent is malicious, don't think it's malicious, just think the person's dumb. <laughs> and that is the, like, the other side of the spectrum. I wish I knew the name of it. I literally just learned it two days ago. <laughs> But it's all right. We'll get into that. So the first theory is the most logical, and that's that it's a byproduct of Lyme disease. Yes. So we don't know that much about Lyme disease, but the proteins that are injected into human beings from ticks that bite us that make up the Lyme disease cells are little spirals. Mm -hmm. They're little spirals, and they are basically, I'm going to put this in a very truncated, I'm not a doctor way, but if you took those spirals and injected them with keratin, that's basically what these fibers are. Yes. Is the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is physiologically basically true. And again, not a doctor, so if that's not exactly right, that's okay. Feel free to correct me. Uh, but the idea is that it is, we don't know enough about Lyme disease yet to really say that it is or isn't, but it does look like Lyme disease advances in different ways. And this looks like it could very likely be an advancement of Lyme disease. Lyme disease, one of the common ways to tell that you have Lyme disease when you get bit by a tick is you'll get what's known as a bullseye rash. So you get a red rash and then a white ring and then a red rash around that. A lot of people who now have MD have said that when they their first, you know, sore looked like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
with that bacterial infection that causes Lyme disease, there's also a theory that it is conjoined with a type of chlamydia that affects the respiratory system. And if you basically interact with those two things at once, it causes MD. Okay. Um, which is you have some people that get treated for that respiratory chlamydia that the antibiotics that help that also help. That's what we were talking about earlier. earlier. And it has helped those people. Yes. Like they've seen actual clear up and some of them claim that uh, everybody has cleared up basically. And some of them claim that uh, they can go days without taking antibiotics and they're okay. Others claim that like the moment they stop, their symptoms come right back again. So again, that plays into the placebo effect, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're, if it doesn't work and you're just deciding that it does, it would make a lot of sense that depending on how intensely you took it, you would either be like, well, the moment I stop, it's going to come right back. Or, well, as long as I'm on this thing, I'll be okay. The gazebo effect. The gazebo effect. You trick your brain into thinking you're an outdoor structure. (laughs) Uh, The next one is mass delusion slash uh, parasitosis, like I was talking about earlier. And that one... Fale all. Yes. That is... We talk about it a lot. You have one person, it's... The echo chambers of the internet. Yeah, well, because it is a very, like, social media, Facebook, you know, there are websites and forums and stuff. This is a very social condition. And the it would be very easy to wag the finger and go, well, they're doing it to be in this club. Well, again, chicken egg situation. Or is the club comforting to be in because they have this thing? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's very difficult to say that this is a case where causation is never correlation. And it's the WebMD kind of structure yeah. where you're like, oh, uh, my stomach hurts and I have a headache, and you go on there and it's like, it's either cancer or you're pregnant. Well, yeah, but the frustrating thing about that is if you were then to go to a doctor, they'd be like, well, nothing's wrong with you. So now you're going to have to do your own homework. We should have like a graphic for that uh, because it's such a catchphrase now. But if you're going to do your own homework about medical care, something that takes a number of years to learn all of the systems, terms, causes, effects in different people, you're not prepared. You're not cut out for that no matter how much time you sit on forums and you spend talking to other people. So it means that even if this is all real and these people only have one another to talk to, they're still going to be kind of fucked because they're not going to get where they need to go until they have doctors who are willing to help them. And we keep going back to the chicken and egg scenario, but if you say, like, one day your skin's just super itchy and you type in Google, my skin's super itchy, you find yourself on a forum and you start reading all these other symptoms, you can very easily trick your brain into thinking you have all these other symptoms as well. absolutely. Well, because brain fog, I mean... (laughs) What is brain fog? I, I mean, you you can obviously quantify that. You can give it symptoms. But I think it would be very easy for the average person to be like, yeah, I got brain fog. Yeah. Oh, you Same with fatigue. Like, yeah. Oh, you're I tired? think in this day and age, I don't think you can meet anyone that hasn't constantly experienced fatigue. Yeah, because we're overstimulated all the time. Like, the serotonin that gets released on a daily basis for a human being, by the end of the day, you're fucking wiped. Yeah. Let alone that you might be out. I love it when uh, people are, the like, all they have to say in small talk is that they're tired. Like, how do you feel today? I'm tired. Well, yeah, that's why we sleep eight hours a day. I know. We sleep one quarter of the day. What else is up yeah. with you today? We're all tired. We have to be. We, we have to sleep. Humans can't be awake for very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next one is a fungal infection, uh, just of an unknown fungus. Yeah. Which. Unknown fungus, great band name. It is a good good band name. That one, to me, is pretty believable. Yeah. Uh, fungal infections can cause all sorts of crazy different uh, symptoms. Yeah. I mean, I never thought that I have parosmia from COVID, and I didn't realize that you're if you would have asked me before that happened, do you think something like that could change your senses, like a fungal infection or something like that? Do you think an infection could totally change your orientation with the world? I would be hard to believe it. But now that I've been through it, yeah, I do kind of get that. And if it affected something else, again, we're talking about possibly chlamydia here. So if it's chlamydia, that means it can infect the brain. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of issues that could come with that. Plus, yeah, I mean, as far as like, as we're, this is sort of cresting the butte, uh, this is like the hump day of this list as we're getting into the less believable things. Yeah. This feels very much like The Last of Us, like the clickers, like this is where they came from. Well, with some fungal <laughs> what if infections. It, what, if, what if that's all that it is? People are like, that's not a real fucking disease. And the zombie fibers are like, that's what they are. It's zombie material. That's how they stay alive. Well, that's what I was saying. Uh, keratin growth is not unfamiliar with fungal infections. Yeah, it's true. That's I mean, true. If you look at like. Uh, ingrown toenails and fungal infections. Yeah. Like if you go to a nail salon and like they don't clean properly, and you get a fungal infection on your toe. You can get like these weird keratin growths from your toenails. Yep, absolutely. So 
it's not that's the one that I f- believe in mainly is it's a fungal infection because a lot of those symptoms are not unreasonable for a fungal infection. So do you think here's the fun conspiracy theory then here's where we get into the acid cat juice. Do you think a member of the early because it doesn't match anything on here on earth specifically, but it is made of keratin. Mm-hmm. So that means it's probably not an alien material. Do you think that the Morgallons were involved with anything maybe supernatural, paranormal? Do you think our good friend the Temporal Rift was around? Like, that feels like maybe he went, feels like Mr. or Ms., Mrs., whoever, any member of the Morgallons might have walked into another time and place and then walked back out of that portal. Now they got some weird fucked up alien fungus on them that doesn't exist in our world. They got some variant fungus because they didn't go through the FDA check thing that they have at the airport. You know, it kind of feels like that's very, This is now that's what's in my mind because what if they are like little alien fungus worms and we got them because they walk through a, a space time rift or a, they're time travelers or some shit. That, Maybe John Titer gave it to them. Could. What if John Titer existed just for our tiny podcast? He's just here to inspire everything we've done. What uh, if we could connect every one of these things to John Titer? That'd be sick. It's almost like we should do an episode like that. We'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> so uh, the next one is exposure to chemicals. Uh, okay. the classic. Like the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite joke. Want to know how I got these worms? <laughs> Favorite joke uh, that I've seen recently is... Dropping into it was just a mild detergent that he dropped into. He it didn't make him crazy or anything. He was just like that, and he used it as an excuse. And he's like, "I dropped into the vat of chemicals, and it made me crazy." And they're like, "That was fabric softener." And he's like, Whoa. Then he uh, blows up a child. And watch this. <laughs> so, uh, exposure to chemicals, uh, chemtrail. Yep that that is you have something that's unexplained. You ever been outside? Chemtrails. Chemtrails. You ever seen a plane? Chemtrails. <laughs> you know what was rad is I had a really fun experience. I, I met a transient man named Thomas yesterday. He came up to me in the parking lot when I was leaving the bar. And he, you know, just saying hello, seeing if I could help him out with a little money. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. And I gave him a little money. And uh, he looked up and saw a, pli- a plane flying overhead. And he's like, look at that. God is good. And I was like, it's about time somebody appreciate chemtrails. <laughs> uh, I, Shout but- out to Thomas. There's a movie about a, a guy from the medieval era that is brought to, it's like a Christmas love movie. It's so dumb. But he sees a plane and he goes, it's fucking Metal Dragon. <laughs> and that's like one of my favorite things. He's just like, Metal Dragon. Like, how, like he would just know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like not scared by it. He's just like, Metal Dragon. I know um, that terrifying sound. The next one is Cocomites. What the hell's a cocomite? So uh, I did a little research on this. Cocomites. <laughs> is that what the people in Kokomo were called? Yes. No. <laughs> cocomites are this believed mite, like okay. skin mite, that has a natural um, draw towards coca leaves. And a lot of people that like. So the Morgellons were early coca users? To be clear, cocaine had not been refined by them. didn't. Um, so the theory with that one is, well, with cocomites as a whole is to explain that crawling feeling that some people get when they do cocaine is there's actually cocomites living in the cocaine. This feels a lot. This is where I'm going <coughs> to, the acid in the acid cat's going to come out. I'm going to drug sigh here. Uh, that feels like the most I've never touched grass drug theory I've ever heard. Did you know that when you do cocaine, it makes your skin crawl? No, it fucking doesn't. When you do meth, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Cocaine doesn't make your skin crawl. It makes your brain fly a mile a minute, and it makes you really annoying to your friends for like six hours. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, coca mites is another one that kept popping up. I'm campaigning. I'm calling my uh, fun fact about the colonel, my Animal Crossing Island is called Kokomo Jr., and I'm definitely calling them the Kokomites. Kokomites? Yep. <laughs> uh, next one, good old bioweapon. Havana syndrome, baby. Um, that one comes from, there is a guy. Are they injecting him? No, so it's also chemtrail idea. <laughs> There's a hitman weapon we need. Inject <laughs> Kokomites. And the guy's just like, oh, God, oh, God. He rips his skin off. So there is a three-hour series of this guy and a lady talking. I found it in the deep annals of YouTube. And the guy down, mentions down in the deep anus of YouTube. that he was working on a 
chemical that caused Morgellons disease. Okay. It is. This feels like the conspiracy theory that used to surround Bob Marley's cancer. That it was somehow injected into his toe. Mm-hmm. Always really appreciated that. Uh, this, of course, it's like a 240p video. Yep. Uh, it's got like... Hey, shut up. That's basically what this is. Like 3,000 views. That's <laughs> significantly fewer than this will get. And it's like 11 years old. So, okay, well, there. We got him there. We're more modern. Um, Of course, very little leeway to bioweapons. Yeah, I mean, that just feels... So let's myth bust that then. If it could be a bioweapon, what would it be useful as? Let's, let's pretend that we're Shoko Asahara. And we want to get everybody with a bioweapon. How does Om Shinrikyo do it? Um, can how, do, how do we put worms in them? You know? I guess what are the water? Worms, what are the worms made out of then, you think? You think it's like, a, well, they're made of keratin. Yeah. I wonder if there's like a keratin-stabilized um, bioweapon that exists, you know? Bioworms is an interesting idea. It makes me think of, we recently saw the new Ghostbusters movie, mm-hmm. that line where they're like, it's not a farm, it's a trap! Feels that way with these worms, yeah. All right, well, bioweapons is properly fucking nutty, so probably not that one. And then the last one, uh, nanotech slash micro-machines. <laughs> you mean like the little cars? <laughs> my favorite toy when I was a kid is I had like a Bigfoot um, that would pick up micro my micro-machines, so you could like have them on the ground, and you would drive it over the top, and it was like a little vacuum, it would pick them up. No, I don't think it was fucking nanotech. What do you... I mean, I guess that's... Nanotech to me, though, is... I want... I think I want nanotech so badly that I get mad when people even insinuate it could already exist. Like, no, it doesn't. It would be so cool if it did, and it definitely doesn't. Yeah. It would be uh, cool, though. And the main one with that is people say that it looks like wires. Those threads look like wires. Yeah, but wires aren't a device in and of themselves. Yeah. Wires just connect devices. So, I mean, what's it doing then? Okay, here we go. Here's what it is. I figured it out. It's nanotech. It's uh, taking my hat off, and I'm putting my glasses on for this theory. Zoom in, cameraman. I'd shit my pants if it zoomed in. <laughs> I think that it's like a body-bound version of Cerebro. I think they're uh, injecting people with selenium rods <laughs> that are uh, keratin-based as well so that they're magnetic, and they've made magnetic hair fibers, and it's taking all of the telepathic energy that a human being has, and it's amplifying it, and they unknowingly are sharing their thoughts because traditional telepathy is not possible, and what the government realized is that they had to amplify our inner aura spirit, and in order to do that, you put in these little selenium and keratin rods into our body, <laughs> and then we basically become human amplifiers. Our thoughts are much louder, and now the government can hear them. My thing with it being like <laughs> nano machines or wires or anything like that, with the whole keratin idea... Is, I'm not saying I believe in it whatsoever, but if you were to coat, like, a nano machine or, like, a microchip or something like that in keratin, I'm sure the body would be way less likely to reject it. Yeah, because yeah, so it's a familiar substance. Yeah. That kind of makes sense in a, in a way. That's it. But we, that's see, it. this is what happens when you get to the bottom. It feels like the top all over again. You were right. It was nano machines. We're making in in intervenous cerebros and we're <laughs> amplifying our thoughts and now the government can hear us. So the people with more gallons are actually just being tested on or maybe state agents themselves posing as people with a condition. Maybe the people normalizing, oh, we're going deep Alex Jones now. Maybe mm-hmm. the people normalizing more gallons as a real condition are state agents, not deep state, just regular state agents. I don't believe in the like deep state. Like mailmen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Librarians. Yeah. Mailmen. Yeah. Librarians, meter meter people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard not to say. Yeah, the meter readers. Uh, yeah, it's your local gas guy, any government plumbers. Uh, the street cleaner that gave me a very aggressive thumbs up the other day <laughs> because they were cleaning the street and I didn't realize it and I turned onto that street and he stopped cleaning the street and just went. <laughs> I went Sorry, dude. I didn't realize you were fucking mopping the floor. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect to walk around the corner to this, if I'm honest. But yeah, so maybe they're just all state agents, and they're there to help normalize Morgellons so that <laughs> as it becomes more common, as the people who don't get the COVID vaccine, the people who won't get a chip injected into them, well, we got them. We'll get them with Morgellons, and they'll think that they're ill, but what they actually are are sending us their thoughts. <laughs> That's my final thought for the day. Awesome. I still think it's a fungal infection. (laughs) (laughs) It might just be Lyme disease, but I'm pretty sure it's an intravenous cerebral. We're on it. It's either a network of 
<laughs> parabolic dishes made out of people or fungal infection. It's one of the two. Or Lyme disease. Or Lyme disease. It's one what of the if, two. <laughs> what if the intermediary, inter, geez, the intermediary agents here, the true fall guys, are ticks? Working for the government. Yeah, what if the yeah. CIA is training ticks to inject this material into people? It's the perfect cover. Anyway, riddle time. <laughs> yeah, let you let us know what you guys think. Obviously, as always, throw it in the comments. We've been getting a lot more of those. They're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We try to interact with any of them that are worth interacting with, which is most of you guys. Uh, hope you enjoy that story. It is wild. And this is just the beginning. We might do more episodes on Morgallons if you have it or if you'd like to talk to us about it. We'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah. Uh, we don't think you're lying. We are very open-minded about it. We, do, <laughs> I seem to think it's nano machines, uh, But no, let us know. And also, uh, if there's any sort of follow-up you'd like to see us do, let us know as well. Uh, there's a lot to more gallons. By all means, here's where I'm going to say it. Do your own research. Uh, but there is a lot of cool stuff out there. It's definitely worth looking into because it it's a constant back and forth. You will not find one piece of evidence that will make you feel one way or the other, barring maybe having it. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, leave that in the comments. Uh, and yeah, it's riddle time. Uh, so last week's riddle, the ages of father and son add up to 66. The father's age is the son aged reverse. How old are they? Like I said, there are three possible answers. Those three possible answers were... 51 and 15, uh, 42 and 24, and 60 and 6. Yep. Those are, I like that one. I like ones that are kind of more like uh, word puzzles. When I was a kid, me and my dad used to play that game Mind Trap a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the one that most famously features the, you have like, what is it, like a three-gallon bucket and a one-gallon bucket accurately pour four or five gallons of water or whatever. Yeah. So this week's riddle is a time when they are green, a time when they are brown, but both of these times cause me to frown. But just in between, for a very short while, they're perfect and yellow and cause me to smile. What am I talking about? Avocados, I think. No, I'm just kidding. Let, it, let me know what you guys think in the comments. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye. good i i what do you think should we take another take should we take a take two no if we do that we'll get a fucking cease and desist dude we'll be like take two and we'll be like no